Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Must See Matches, our dynamic island in the world of wrestling podcasting. Little timely Apple humor for anybody watching the iPhone 14 reveal. I'm probably talking to a bunch of Android users, know me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, joining me, as ever, is the maestro behind Must See Matches. It's Mark Buckledy. Mark, how are you doing? I'm good. I've got a week off. I've done nothing but uh, buying tea from markets and uh, reading books about weapons of mass destruction with PTSD. Fantastic. You do look very relaxed, it must be said. You're not your usual slightly frazzled just home from work self, which is lovely. <laughs> Um, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Kieran Lefort, uh, here every week. Uh, and this week, we have three very important returns. So let's introduce the first one, the man who guided us through the world of Futen on uh, episode nine, Easton Lariat's Dylan Fox. Dylan, how have you been since we last spoke? You know, Kieran, I have just been counting down the days to when you guys would ask me on. I didn't know what match you were going to say. <laughs> I didn't know what we were going to do today but it just so happened that you picked a very special match for me to be on here so that that got me riled up you know there's all kinds of stuff good things bad things ups and downs but when it comes to the world of wrestling there's always good things to talk about and this show is very important because you know this was really a grassroots movement between your guest the how you acquired the list how you mm -hmm. did the matches. So I want to praise both of you fine gentlemen for doing this and so happy to be on and honored you would pick me once again. You you didn't get rid of me after the first show. I thought you might have had the first show and be like, oh, we hate this guy. But no, they were like, <laughs> no, he's back. No, 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 no. We just have to wait until like people's picks come around again on the list. Uh, yes. Anyway, that's uh, uh, apart from anything we're going to talk about today. Uh, return number two. Fang returns as his latter-day t-shirts read. Kenta is back. And uh, this week we're talking about his match with Naomichi Marafuji from, they called it like European Grapple Fight or something. I can't remember. It's a no, from a Noah show, uh, October 29th, uh, 2006. Slight spoiler for this match. I uh, term this show Navigate for Mutual Destruction. <laughs> <laughs> um, an, an epic excellent excellent it, title Good yeah job. it's very fitting <laughs> yeah um i can't uh, uh oh, i'm gonna have to go on flipping cage i'll match, find it it's it, it's called something it was the last it, day of a tour yeah it's autumn navigation uh european something like that something about european it's european yeah i couldn't work uh, out why it was your i think it's european just because doug williams is on the tour <laughs> Well, no, there's a reason. <laughs> like, so the whole tour was actually built around uh, European guys. It wasn't just Doug Williams. Although, listen, I love Doug Williams. Mm. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, uh, you know. But they had other guys. They had like people from all over. They had like uh, Aries was on there. Yeah. Uh, they had like Marat Bosphorus was on there. Very random name for the past. I don't even think he has a cage match profile. Uh, like, so, but, would you believe? So, when I used to work in wrestling uh, many, many years ago, the first promotion I worked for. I, we did some of the TV tapings. Murat Bosporus was on those shows. And <laughs> I'm kind of aware that he has a bit of a reputation behind the scenes. Like I've heard not pleasant things about him, which I cannot cor corroborate in any way. He was always extremely pleasant to me. But oh, like, okay. he was one of these guys who showed up, nobody knew who he was, and he won all, the whole audience over with his ring work. Like he's, yeah. He was a great little underdog babyface guy. Yeah, this was a time when like Noah was kind of working with F FWA a little bit uh, in, in yeah. England. I used yeah, to so watch that's the, com that's the company yeah. I worked for. However, yeah. this is after my time. Like they were yeah. they were off TV at this point. I can't rem I don't know what they were doing, but yeah, uh, Murat Bosporus showed up for uh, um, showed up for FWA tapings. Yeah, you know, I used to watch like when I got the internet, I used to watch old shows. There was somebody in the dark corners of the internet that were uploading this show from like Wrestling Channel. That yep. was like this UK wrestling channel. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that I'm was, sure that you was, guys know. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> that was what, that was who I made the show for. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's where it got broadcast. Yeah, so, hey, I, re I remember those guys. Like Paul Burchill was there. They used to yeah. play like stuff with him. They had like this guy, RJ Singh, I was a big fan of uh, <laughs> on there. Like Ross, Ross Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> there. damn right. Uh, uh, Alex Shane, I wasn't uh, as big of a fan of, but he I was I don't there. think anybody's a fan of Alex <laughs> Shane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I love that, how we're just shooting. That's putting it politely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah One I, day, yeah. I have a friend who keeps saying, like, oh, you, you need to write a book about your time in wrestling. You need to write a book about your time in wrestling. And it's like, oh, if I have Alex Shane knocking on my door within like five minutes, I can't. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, I love how this is just turning into listen, we're shooting on the European scene of like 2004, yeah. 2005. Yeah. Yeah. This that was like the dark ages of <laughs> of the European wrestling you know, scene. Surely, well, this is not where I expected this show to go at all. <laughs> no, well, this is the European tour we got to talk yes, about. Indeed. Here. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. You know? European catch was the uh, European that's what it was. word. That's it. Yes. And, yes. And so, speaking of catching, there's one hell of a catch at one point. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let us uh, navigate back towards a point. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's why uh, you're a pro, Kieran. You know how to, to do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, this was my first time watching this match. As far as I'm aware, like I have seen, like I've never been like a, a like properly into Noah, but I've seen like scattered bits from probably every year of their existence. Um, it also used to be on the wrestling channel. Uh, yep. which is like how it made inroads in this country and how we ended up with like a bona fide Noah show in Coventry in the UK in 2008. Yep. 2008. Yeah. 2008, yeah. Um, which was the last show I worked for 10 years in wrestling. Never got paid for it uh, and didn't see it until last year. <laughs> um, uh, we've gone off tangent again. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I'd not said uh, as far as I know I hadn't seen this before Mark you mentioned when we were talking about recording the show that like you like this match a lot so I I got into uh, Noah partly through the wrestling channel partly through Ring of Honor because I was a massive Ring of Honor fan mm. at the time and Ring of Honor were bringing in Kenta and they were bringing in his opponent in the, uh, in this match who mm -hmm. I don't think we've mentioned yet yeah, um, yeah. so oh now meet Fuji then yeah that so guy. I was so I was aware of both guys and that, but mm. this is actually one of the first ones I specifically remember going online and seeking out and downloading mm -hmm. and being excited to watch. So I've got a lot of memories and I also remember the fallout from this. So, mm. uh, yeah. And Dylan, you mentioned when, when we invited you on the show, I believe your, uh, your response was, that's my favorite match. Of course I'll come on. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly true. Not <laughs> only is it my favorite match, it was the very first Japanese match I ever watched. Was really? This, this very really? match. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is the very first match. Because like you, Mark, I had heard of the, you know, when I first got the internet, it was later than everybody else, like way later, <laughs> like after this match had even happened. But I knew I had figured out that like, hey, there's more promotions than like, you know, in other countries too, like that I'd never even heard of. What the heck? Mm. So I would go on like these wrestling message boards and stuff. And they'd be talking about mainly Ring of Honor was mm. more obviously, I, you know, I'm from America. So, you know, Japanese wrestling was still kind of not nearly where it is now. But we would see guys come over from Noah like Kenta. And Marfuji, you know, and a lot of other guys that came to Ring of Honor, but they were the ones that really uh, a lot of people talked about. And there was this old YouTube channel for some reason, like Noah at the time, late 2000s, was way more accessible via YouTube than other Japanese companies like New Japan. You didn't really have a lot until they started mm. their own YouTube channel and they would put it was all in Japanese originally, but they would put their their shows on there. But Noah was always on YouTube. There was this one guy. I can't even remember who it was. I think it was like King's Ark or something like that or Noah's Ark. Uh, King's uh, Ark still exists on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to King's Ark uh, on there. He he had all the Noah stuff on, mm. <laughs> on there back then. I like, and, you know, you know everything. But. And specifically for the fans, if you're interested, this match is on YouTube. So you can see yeah. it on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, that's where I saw it all the way back then, 12, 13 years ago or whatever. <laughs> like, and uh, so like, I knew them from Ring of Honor first. And I just saw that they had this match. And I don't know if it was recommended or sorry, somebody had said, uh, uh, you know, I maybe looked up the list like what's the best Japanese matches, and this was one of them that showed up. I don't even remember how I saw it first, but mm. this was my very first one, and it, it, it made me a huge fan. It literally changed my life. This match, <laughs> like no, no, no lie. So seeing it was so amazing, especially compared to what I was watching at the time, which was mostly American wrestling. Mm. Uh, was a big, big step, and there's like uh, the backstory between these two, especially learning as the years have gone on and everything like that. It's so interesting. This match has so many layers to it that mm. you might not even see. Yeah, that's that. That's kind of what I wanted to get into, and uh, you seem to have volunteered yourself for it. Can you give us a bit <laughs> of like the backstory between Kenta and Marafuji? So I know, for example, like they were like they were the junior tag team in Noah for a, a couple of years before this, and then. Uh, this match happened like what what kind of happens between those two points yeah you know 
these two, well, first of all, <laughs> both of these guys have so many like parallels and and obviously their tag team, but before maybe you know, these guys started at the tail end of all Japan, you mm. know, and, and stuff like before all Japan and Noah split and they didn't really do a lot there. You know, just rookie guys. Uh, Marfuji is like two years older. Like Kenta came in, I think at the very end or he might have even, you know, started yeah. in Noah. Ken- but anyway, Kenta was tailor. 2000 in all Japan and yeah. Marfuji was 1998. My, yeah. my, my cutoff is who is in virtual virtual pro wrestling too. And uh, Kenta Kobayashi made it into the roster of Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. And that came out like just after the Nova split happened. So he must have been in All Japan at that point uh, for for him to make the roster of that game. Right, right, right. But mainly Marfuji before around two, you know, 2004 is where things changed. But just to quickly uh, get through those first couple of years, Mm. Marfuji was kind of like a junior heavyweight entirely. He was aligned with Misawa. You know, he he was his trainee from all Japan. He was trained by Misawa and Kenta was trained by Kobashi Mm. uh, and stuff. So they were kind of on different. And Marfuji's run and rise to popularity started all the way back in 2001 when he had the very first zero one show he was a part of a breakout match with uh, hoshikawa I, mm. I believe at the first zero one show 2001 that match and, actually got a nomination yeah and it's an amazing match and like all the fans were like whoa who's this guy you know and like he'd mm. been around for a while but like whoa this is a guy we need to pay attention to um but the funny thing about this is because he's kind of recognized even on cage match comments to this day uh, I was reading on him. Somebody like one of the first reviews was like, he's one of the best super junior workers like of all time. But the funny thing is, this is a fun fact about Mara Fuji. He is known for that. Yes. But his actual title or his actual history with the junior heavyweight title, the GHC junior heavyweight title is like for literally his entire 24 year career to right now, he's had the junior title, a grand total of one time, with one successful defense in his entire career. And yet he was known for like, yeah, he was known the, for like five years. The thing a, with the thing with Noah and the junior division, most people, when they think the Noah junior division, they think Kentra Marafuji, but yeah. the undisputed ace of that division was Yoshinobu Kanemaru, yeah. who absolutely dominated. So although Kenta and Marafuji went on to do bigger and better things, they, that neither of them were, the junior ace, really. I mean, Marafuji was a bigger junior ace actually outside of Noah in New Japan. Yeah, well, that was later on, like by the end of the decade. Kenta oh, yeah. would, would overtake Kanemaru eventually. <laughs> but so, like I said, these guys for a while weren't really doing a lot with the title. Like you said, Kanemaru was the main junior champion. He had like a, a one and a half, two year run. And then Kenta would have a long run <laughs> directly after that. But basically, they ended up getting paired together around... 2003 2004 and they had a, a a huge burst of popularity together kenta had changed his look and everything and they had really grown popular um by the way bar fuji wrote he has this book and uh there's this noah super big fan of noah hisame she translated mm. his book on her website and like you can basically read the whole thing there <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm stealing a lot from her translation of his book but he was saying that like in this particular next part especially but he said in his book that they were very popular with the the women fans of noah mm. and they were kind of like idols almost in, in his words and stuff and he you know they would call them cute names and they were kind of like a rock and roll express almost type of babyface team you know obviously their style of wrestling was super satisfying for any fan anyway mm. but they were super popular and when they brought in the junior heavyweight tag team titles they were the first ever champions and they had them for two years straight the first title reign for the GHC two, uh, junior tag team titles. And they even got so big that they got the challenge for the heavyweight tag team titles, which again, Misawa and he, and Marfuji kind of brings up this in his book as well. Misawa, he ran Noah a little bit differently when it came to the juniors that Baba did in all Japan. Hmm. And Marfuji basically theorizes that, Hey, Misawa started as a junior as well hmm. as Tiger basket. He went to heavyweight. Obviously Baba was never a junior heavyweight. <laughs> like, so uh, Misawa started as a junior and became a heavyweight and 
he kind of speculates that, hey, maybe Misawa saw it in him. Marufuji was always kind of the senior member of their team with him and Kenta because he was a little bit older. You know, he started in 98, Kenta started in 2000, hmm. <laughs> just in their careers. <laughs> so they were, you know, he was always kind of like the main guy. They had a big run going for him. Uh, that 2004 tag match was like, that turned a lot of heads. You know, that was an amazing match. Uh, Misawa and Ogawa versus Kenta and Marufuji, the Untouchables versus uh, Mar- Maruken. So that hmm. was an amazing match. Misawa took notice after that, and they were like, hey, maybe we can kind of dabble with the heavyweight, you know, you in the heavyweight role, pretty much, mm. uh, with these guys. Um, you know, and then by 2005, they broke off, not necessarily like a big breakup or any of that. Obviously, you would see it even in this match. But basically, Kenta became the ace of the juniors after that, succeeding Kanemaru, winning the junior title, uh, which he would hold much longer than Marufuji did <laughs> with his one defense. But Marufuji ended up joining Suzuki Goon faction. Uh, you know, like uh, with Minoru Suzuki, this is 2005 mm-hmm. because Suzuki's main partner was Yoshihiro Takayama first, but he had a stroke. So in 2004, so he had to drop that title and, and everything. They were in New Japan first and Suzuki's in Noah in 2005. And Marfuji is teaming with him now. They won the tag, tag titles. Again, bring up FWA. They won the tag titles in FWA. Uh, Marfuji and Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. Uh, do you remember who they beat for him? Uh, Doug Williams and Two Cold Scorpio. That's exactly right. Yes, in the in the town of seaside town of Morecambe in Lancashire. See, see, look at this. I, I feel like I feel like an honorary British person right now on this show, <laughs> right now with this, with this FWA talk <laughs> going on there. But yeah, so they won that, and uh, you know they were doing their thing on their own, and it ended. Uh, you know, and you know, you look at things. Obviously, that was a dark time and all that, but we were coming off of Kobashi's legendary reign around 2005, right, for the the world mm-hmm. title. And they kind of move, push forward after Rikio beat Ken, uh, Kobashi. You had Rikio, Marafuji, Kenta, Sugera, ho- all holding titles at the same time. And Morishima mm. would be a part of winning the tag titles for Marafuji and Suzuki. So, and he would close out the year with a world title shot. So you had like five guys, young dudes, like superstar level talents that you were all building, uh, you know, and doing great things with. So at the start of 2006, their first match of the year, the first title match for Kenta for the junior title was Kenta versus Naomichi Marufuji for the junior heavyweight title. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And that was a great match too. Very underrated because this one o- overshadows it to a, to a lot of people, <laughs> you know, going in there. And then Shibata was also at Noah a little bit teaming with, with Kenta with the takeover. That was after he bounced from uh, New Japan. Uh, but so a lot of cool stuff was happening. You know, you had uh, e- even Marufuji. He made a in Ring of Honor final battle 2005 with Brian Danielson for a world title shot too. Mm. So, and Kenta had a title shot versus Danielson later on in 2006. So it's like they're bouncing back and forth from Noah and Ring of Honor. They're getting real tight together, you know, and he wanted to transition pretty much. And things really took off around March 2006 for Marfuji as a heavyweight. He got a clean win over Akira Tawe, another Mm. excellent match. Uh, Everybody can go back and and watch. And that show, um, that was actually built as a veterans versus future series. So you had the, the aforementioned yeah. Marafuji versus Tawe match. You had Morishima challenging Misawa. You had Rikio uh, beating Ogawa. And this by this point, Rikio had won and lost the GHC heavyweight title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you had uh, Kenta facing his mentor, uh, Kenta Kabashi. That's and then right. You put, and then you put in Junakiyama versus Minoru Suzuki on top. That was a pretty packed uh, Budokan show, which mm. is, and packed is a word that you can't use to describe this show that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll yeah, get we'll, to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're about to rain on my parade with this show, but no, no. But so basically, yeah, so he continued on. He had like a, and then Marfuji actually had a match with Kobashi after that show. Uh, to you know, and it was kind of like an unofficial number one contenders match, and they went. They had like a twenty five minute match or something, uh, like you know, it was around June, July, something like that. Uh, but they had a match, and Kobashi won and was going to challenge Akiyama for the title. Uh, but unfortunately, that's when Kobashi got diagnosed with cancer mm. before his title match. So very bad timing on that end. And Marfuji was the replacement, and he challenged Akiyama and. He actually won the title, like with the the perfect cradle, which was his move to beat the, the heavyweights at the time, yeah. uh, which was like tragic booking for Akiyama because he had lost his first title reign to Ogawa, who was kind of more viewed as a junior at the time, and now Marfuji, who's also viewed as a junior. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of like a uh, you know, classic thing. But hey, the last 
30 seconds of that Akiyama and Marafuji match is absolutely amazing. And such a real reaction from Marafuji when he won the title. Like, the smile he has is so, like, genuine. It's one of my mm. favorite moments. Um, so, Kenta, he was, like, the junior champ until June. I think he lost the title. And he had the title shot for versus Brian Danielson and Ring of Honor. As I said, it was, like, glory by honor. Mm. Uh, to sum all this up, these two have had many career parallels, okay? Mm. As well as direct history with each other as well as the historical factor of this being the first ever junior versus junior match for the heavyweight title. Yeah. So th this had all of those major historical implications going into the match like that as well. Mm. And at this point, uh, Marafuji has only had the heavyweight title for three weeks. Yes. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, that, was, uh, a that was a lot. little bit longer. A <laughs> little bit longer well than that. Up. But yeah, about five weeks. So really? Oh, I'm reading uh, September uh, 9th, 2006. And this is... To uh, the oh, it's October. I can't read. Yeah. That's my problem. Yeah. yeah See, this is, why, this is why I talk, because I can't read. <laughs> but You're yeah, right. you know, yeah. Th this, this was a... It's not long. <laughs> yeah, it's not long. It's his first defense. And there was a lot of talk going into this. I used to read like a lot of old people's old thoughts. Okay, yeah. it was actually... Now, this is the thing. Sorry, this is me doing the actually thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> He's got the this, finger this in the was, air as well. This was, I believe, his second defense because I'm pretty sure his first defense was in the USA. That's in right. Ring of Honor right. against yeah. Nigel McGuinness. You're right, I think. Yeah, you're completely It even correct. gets mentioned yeah. on the commentary. On the same show yeah. as the... Kenta versus Brian Danielson match, which we will cover uh, much later on this podcast. That match deserves to be covered as well. But yeah, that, you're correct. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be a long time before we get to that match. I think that <laughs> got quite a lot of votes. That that's about a year away. My yes. Guess. <laughs> well, well, his first title defense in Japan, Ring of Honor doesn't count. Yeah. It might as well not exist. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, no, his his first title defense in Japan, and there was a lot of talk about how this was going to do, like among fans at the mm. time, like even English speaking fans, like, hey. This is a new thing. A lot of people were kind of down on it, uh, which is very interesting when you actually watch the match. If you look at the talk, like going into it, I think there's mm. a lot of things to talk about when you actually watch the match, which we're going to mm. get into. But people were like, oh, you know, they say stuff like a uh, Kenter and stuff like that. Very annoying. Maybe want to slap everybody that <laughs> talked bad about Kenta, which mm. would I think he would appreciate as well with his wrestling yeah. style. Yeah. But but, you know, him and Marafuji, a lot of people didn't want to see the juniors made event. is where I'm going with this. You know, like yeah. they, they were kind of, they were kind of down on him. But and so then we get to this match. And like I said, we'll talk about the business stuff, I think, after the match, mm. uh, you know, because I think there's a lot. Like you said, the fallout, Mark, I, you know, you know where this is all headed. We know where it's yeah. all headed. Mm. But I'm going to separate that now from the match yeah. itself. So, <laughs> okay. so before we get to the match, mm. the, I just want to quickly sum up uh, Kenta and Marafuji's 2006. So Marafuji's 2006, uh, in addition to, as I say, what Dylan said, he won the title uh, he was he was basically in big featured matches on every single Budokan show uh, up until this point. So Marafuji had a big match on every single Budokan show in 2006. So in 2006, Marafuji was uh, in the Wrestling Observer Awards. He was an honorable mention in Most Outstanding. He was ninth in the Best Technical. He was seventh in the Best High Flyer. And he had two matches in the top 10 for Match of the Year. Kenta was second in most outstanding wrestler of the year behind Brian Danielson. He was the third mm. best technical wrestler. He was the fourth best high flyer. He had four matches in the top 10. And this match, uh, slight spoiler, was second in the Wrestling Observer uh, Awards uh, for match of the year. Mm. Behind, this is the same year as that Dragon Gate match. Was which, was the, which was the yeah. first one. And... It'll be a talking point uh, for, I imagine, that episode. Uh, a lot of the thing behind that match winning was just the fact that it was something fresh for a new audience. I think so too, but that is that is a discussion for that episode, which, <laughs> yeah. uh, again, another spoiler, is a long way away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, should we talk about the match? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I will say one thing. I I disagree with the voters about calling Kenta a high flying wrestler. I think that he's a he does more of a springboards. 
yes that's that's all it really takes okay yeah Uh, Yeah. there but yes uh, i I always say it's just a little nitpick there yeah i I mean he clocks up a fair few air miles in this one yeah he does does. well (laughs) sometimes under his own propulsion and sometimes (laughs) under somebody else's okay okay less air miles more gravity miles yeah sure (laughs) okay okay that's see there you go see look at you explained that perfectly so first question who stole whose music did kenta have the champions here first or did samoa joe have it first I think it was Joe first. I'm not sure. Because it surprised me when I heard that. Oh, they're they're different songs, though. Are they? Uh, they just use the same sample? They're different songs, but they have yeah. the same sample intro. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah but Kenta's theme is a class. Like, this to me was his best song. It was uh, called Art and Life. Uh, mm. Twista did this one. Man, I, I love this song. I think I think it's a great entrance. Uh, I love you know, the champions here. Yeah, you know, that that's a great theme. And then, you know, Samoa Joe, he deserved it. He, you know, he was the yeah. champion for a long time, so, so he got it, too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Kentis had a lot of themes over his career. There, there used to be a video on YouTube that showed all of his themes, like different mm. interests with him walking out. He had like a bunch of different ones. But this to me was his classic one. Uh, definitely a lot better than this New Japan one. Which is ironic because Marafuji, I think, has had maybe two themes in his career because his theme that he comes out to this match, he still uses to this day, I believe. It's, yeah, hysterical. He yeah. basically has different mixes of the same thing. So what, yeah. one, my next note is that I've always liked his hyperactive theme music, even though mm. there's a, a slower version, a slower, less frantic version that I prefer. Um, okay. I'm primarily a rock dude, but there's something about Japanese techno that just hits me and always has, and I can't explain it. Um, uh, and I suddenly got flashbacks to I once had to make an entrance video for Naomichi Marafuji for a show I was working on to this very track. <laughs> there you go. Complete aside from the match, which we will eventually get into one day, um, Noah and a lot of Japanese promotions actually don't get enough credit for their entrance stages. Like I think a lot mm. of people's main exposure to Japanese wrestling is somewhere like Korokan Hall, where you get the hot crowd, but because if you pack that building, there's no way to, to make the entrances look good. But like... Yeah. They've made they've made Budokan look impressive here, I think, uh, and I guess that's probably because they had a lot of seats they could put a, an entrance in front of. The 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 classic long ramp down to the ring is it. It's just something that I think mm. of for this era, Noah. It just mm. really works, and and not just the presentation in terms of staging, but the the pre-match music with the the theme for the title the yeah, joe Noguchi proclamation it, yeah. it just has that big match feel in terms of how it's presented yes um uh, two little quick japanese language asides we will get to the match i promise i really enjoy how the japanese word for challenger chosensha sounds like someone heard challenger once in passing and just thought i got this um <laughs> And in a similar vein, uh, Mighty Inoue is the guest color commentator, and I got a giggle every time out of the play-by-play man calling him Mighty San instead of Inoue San. You respect Mighty Inoue. Apparently, you story. do. <laughs> um, so the first five minutes, I would say, of this are pretty standard wrestling. It's it's holds, it's grappling, it's bloody blah, blah, blah uh, until. Uh, there, there is a very nice uh, version of the drop down leapfrog sequence. Yes, there is, there is. But it, like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary, particularly for these two. Yeah. Um, oh, but at the time when I first saw this match, this was like something I like, I could have never even imagined being possible <laughs> in American <laughs> wrestling. You know, like uh, you know the things they were doing. I first saw the the technique go like they had like a very brief mat work segment, which was very yeah. well done, and then they had, like you said, the, the drop down leapfrog stuff. But these counter sequences, it was just really great. I, I thought it was awesome at the, at the time. Obviously, like you said, things have grown and evolved so much since 2006 mm. that yeah, this this like I said, it's not that impressive now. But uh, I, at the time, I was just thinking like whoa <laughs> you know <laughs> um our first uh, our first turning point really our first big moment is marafuji does a slingshot ddt onto kenta on the apron uh and kenta comes up selling his neck and then uh he takes a catapult to the throat under the bottom rope and now uh, uh marafuji has a target to work for like he's going to go after the head mm. and neck 
Um, he hits a frankly rude dropkick off the apron to Kenta, who is seated against the railings. Uh, and the only person in Budokan who applauds is a lady in wacky boots seated immediately <laughs> behind the action. And I immediately presume she was Mrs. Marafuji or his sister or something. <laughs> She's the only person who reacts to this. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, head into the post, Cobra Clutch, Chicken Wing, Sleeper, like head and neck is is obviously the target. Um I noticed that Ricky Marvin was cornering Kenta uh, in a flashback to episode one, mm. um, which he liked on Twitter. So, uh, Mr. Marvin, if mm. you're listening, slide into our DMs. Let's talk wrestling. Shout out uh, Ricky Marvin. Love that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Kenta comes back out the corner with a flurry of forearms and a round kick to the midsection. And for a split second, Marafuji, re- Marafuji I'm going to keep doing that, rears up to fire back. And then just collapses. And I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. And now Kenta has a target as well. It is Cowder-esque, the selling on this. It's just yeah. The, yeah. this fantastic delayed sell. And it's yeah. like... He was, he was fine for... It's got to be less than a second. And then his mm. face crumples. And then his body crumples as well. Oh, that was amazing. I love the fans here, especially watching like Noah now. I was like, mm. this is this is my Noah. Yeah. <laughs> like when I was watching this here, <laughs> like because I mean, like, I I really liked. I don't know if you guys ever saw any Noah this year, but I like the end one. I like what they're doing there. But then you see these fans. It's like, yes, like this is the like, this is my golden age. Even though it was like 2003, 2005 was kind of more mm. the golden age. But you could stretch it out another year too. And for my purposes, I will stretch it out. By God, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, but I also think again, a lot of the criticism going into this match was like, oh, we don't want these junior heavyweights in here, but. If you really look at this match, this was paced like really well. This wasn't like some yeah. flip floppy high flying crazy match. I mean, they did some cool stuff, but it, like it was paced out so well. And I think a lot of this match, especially early on, if you look at what they were, do, were doing up to this turning point that you were mentioning with Kenta, I think it was kind of to make him make Marfuji more of the heavyweight of the two juniors. Mm. He, he used it more like a lot of roughneck tactics, like yeah. you know the, the slingshots, the, the the ropes, and uh, locking the cross face chicken wing, and uh, the. the Crowd started to rally behind Kenta a little bit, uh, and that's where we we saw it. They, they timed it so well that uh, that turning point for Kenta that like now he's got something that he could go. It's the, the head and neck. Yeah, Marafuji is clearly like the bigger built man anyway, yeah. but he uh, to me he looked like he had bulked up to yeah actually be more of a heavyweight as well. Um, mm. I once had a conversation with Steve Carino where he said, like, oh, no, in Japan, if they call you a heavyweight, they like you to be a heavyweight. And he, at that point, was trying to get up to two, a legit 260 pounds. Jeez. <laughs> Which, if you ever saw Steve Carino in ECW, you would wonder how that was possible. So Marafuji makes horrible retching noises every mm. time a Kenta hits him in the stomach. It's really gross. It helps yeah. the cell, for sure. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Um Kenta is absolutely ruthless attacking. He is. So we will we will get to this later on, I think. Um uh Marafuji tries to escape outside, but Kenta follows and smashes him over the guardrail a couple of times, properly in control, lo- using things like a um the flying knee drop to a hanging opponent that Nyla Rose has adopted. He's got he uses like body locks with his legs. Um he tries his dismissive little kicks across the face, and one of them hits Marafuji a little too hard right in the eye. And all of a sudden, Marafuji's stomach doesn't hurt anymore, and he's belting him with forearms. <laughs> um, they slap each other around, and then all Kenta has to do to put Marafuji back on the mat is tap him in the stomach. Mm. Uh, Marafuji eventually gets a comeback, uh, decides to begin this comeback by hitting an ultra short range springboard drop kick to Kenta, who is standing on the apron immediately in front of him, the other side of the ropes. It, it's the one inch punch version of a drop kick. It really yes. is, yeah. Uh, and Kenta flies back, smashing into the railings again. Uh, Kenta, uh, Marafuji hoofs him over the railings into the front row, practically into the seat of Wacky Boots Lady, uh, and follows up with. I called it the most destructive quebrada I've ever seen. So, oh yes, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, top rope springboard moonsaults. Both his knees slam into Kenta's face, and he chins himself on the railing. A complete disaster that I watched five times. <laughs> also, manages to break Kenta's nose almost immediately. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's our third uh, return. A blood is back, Mark. <laughs> all over Kenta's face. To to be to be honest, Marafuji's lip was busted open within a minute and it a was. half. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, Kenta is yeah bleeding 
if you, if you look at the the movie did uh first of all i just wanted to mention what during all this i love how basically uh when he leaped over the rope he landed on his feet and kenta hit him with a, a hard kick i love the distinction between the two styles with marafuji using a lot of complicated and, and innovative mm. moves mm. and kenta just being basic and they kind of match that too so when he hit the uh, sai moonsault into over the guardrail you notice he uh, he barely clears it like <laughs> i think he might have oh, got no, the no, he doesn't, he doesn't clear he it smashes his chin onto the right yeah, exa yeah exactly like he barely gets over only to obliterate kenta's face with his knees uh, i was like i put on my notes i said this this was amazing one of the best spots in history. I loved it. <laughs> it's one of the gnarliest spots. Well, the in thing history. is, I, I, rewatching over and over, it's not him hitting his chin that means his legs hit Kenta in the face. It's his legs hitting Kenta in the face that mean he hits his chin. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and the really gross thing is, um, uh, Kenta's note's clearly broken. The really horrible bit is like he's not bleeding from the nostrils. The bone has split the skin on the bridge of his nose, basically by his tear ducts, and that's where all the blood is coming from. It's horrible. He's basically had the middle of his face broken. His face, I think he also gets his eyes swollen later on. His face is a different shape coming out of this match than it was going in. And um, knowing the short fuse of Kenta, I can't imagine he was that pleased about this development. <laughs> He would get it back later with another legendary spot that would happen <laughs> later on. <laughs> Dylan, you talked about basic Kenta versus innovator Marafuji in this match. And in fact, one of my notes is I don't think Marafuji gets the credit he deserves as an innovator in general mm. in wrestling. Or maybe I've just missed him getting his flowers in this respect because I don't run in those kind of circles. Like, of course, it, like he gives, he gave us the Shiranoi, he gave us the Marafuji uh, chase, uh, he gave us the uh, like the no look hook kick. Um, but I bet in this match alone, there's half a dozen wild things he mm. never did before and never did again. I was thinking that was in my notes. I was thinking. How has nobody stolen some of this stuff in this match? Right? Like the, the modern era, like there's so many stuff, so many things here that you don't see ever in the modern era. And with all the things you can do now, it's like, man, there's so many great things. This is like a gold mine of a match. <laughs> and uh, I totally agree with what you said. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully Marafuji, and I do think that it's a better now than maybe five, six, seven years ago. I think Noah has a little bit more of a run with Wrestle Universe, things like that. Mm. So he gets a little bit more love. People like Eddie Kingston always shout out the, the Japanese guys who are mm. super influential. So you get guys like that. But hopefully, uh, yeah, he definitely deserves all the credit, though, because he was very innovative in his, this match and his whole career. Very short segue, but if you compare this to his new to his new japan junior run in 2009 2010 completely different like big spots uh and then you compare that that uh marafuji and this marafuji to modern marafuji again completely different style he's a guy that completely yeah. he was unafraid of changing his stuff up and trying lots of really really different stuff which as kieran said some he used a lot and some like one and done yeah yeah he has a, he has like this base of stuff that you think of when you think of marafuji but like um as you say like he just he he evolves in little areas and, and tries stuff out uh and it seems to like continually experiment like so they've smashed the nose they're back in the ring and like this is where i thought the match really began like this is where it gets mm. wild like there's a battle oh. on the top rope where neither guy gets what he wants and Marafuji concludes the spot with the only springboard smash opponent's face into the top of the post I've ever seen. <laughs> and then uh, later on, there's um, uh, it, it was the move that, ma that made me like, write about him like, being an innovator was like, Kenta is standing in a corner and Marafuji basically runs the ropes, runs at the middle of the ropes and springs mm. off the middle one to elbow him in the head in the corner. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that. And it looks great. And it's like, I kind of want to send that clip to Ray Phoenix or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he, he he would be the one to do it athletically. But yeah. uh, I just I just love that bulldog into the ring post. Yeah, uh, it was uh, so cool. And not just that he did it, but the way he does it, he literally like it seems like he's falling into like a like he jumped out of a window or into a, a canyon or something. <laughs> the, way, the, the way the camera shoots it, like he flies to the floor and it feels like because the ramp is how it is, the ramp connects directly to the yeah. ring. He falls behind that it's like he dove into this hole just to, just to hurt kenta more with this 
broken nose. I, I love that spot. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So Kenta, at the moment, with his broken nose, he looks like someone's had a fair degree of success stuffing pasta spirals up his nostrils. Um, uh, but he ends uh, Marafuji's run of offense in the most unexpected unexpected way for me a leaping diamond cutter to counter a middle rope move <laughs> that was my favorite move uh, around 2008 2009 i used it when i wrestled back then uh, on there so uh, much like much like literally everybody else in, 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 in 2008 2009 and and to this day people still do everybody does a, a diamond cutter variation right or rko yeah but, uh, you know kenta he's he's done a lot of moves from uh randy orton over his career too if you would look later on he did that he, he brought in the the rope hang ddt he did the punt kick yeah. <laughs> so he, yeah he him and orton they have a lot of synergy as well there but this was where it all started the thing is i don't know if orton would ever recognize that no <laughs> no no he probably just thinks he's a small foreigner stealing his stuff <laughs> oh well well hey kentis has his own stuff stealing by certain other well world yeah champions. that's true right right that no, is true yeah. uh so like Kenta is now on top and like he's just like kicking and uh, swan dive lariat fishman buster gets caught with a clothesline out uh out of the uh, aforementioned marafuji chase uh, uh explain the marafuji chase because oh, i'm right, sure sorry. people uh, have uh, seen it yeah so it uh you whip your opponent into the ropes and rather than going to the opposite ropes you give them a step and then chase after them and hit the same ropes like a step behind them uh, and so when the the idea is they come out of the ropes don't know where you've gone and you you are then free to clap them in the back of the head or hit them as they turn around that kind of thing and it's become it's become known as the marafuji chase it's something that uh hiroki goto was famous for a lot yes indeed well. yes that's true yeah um, it's, it's kind of like a, a miss a rebound clothesline and then yeah <laughs> once goto started doing it uh marafuji was like Oh man, I need to do it differently. So now <laughs> this like, move isn't cool anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, I don't think he did that. It was just like I need to do something that's me, my yeah. own. So he did this, but now then he later on he would do it to where he would misdirect off of all four sides mm. of the ring, like the ropes. He mm. would misdirect one side, then bounce to the right, and then bounce to the top, then bounce to the left, then bounce <laughs> to the bottom, and then hit a clothesline to do it. So he he was like, I need to take this move. Now that now that this other guy's doing it, yeah. I need to do it my own. That shows you that kind of mind he has for innovative offense. Also. This next spot sums Marafuji up so much. He goes for a powerbomb, and instead of doing a normal powerbomb, he has Kenta on his shoulder to do a powerbomb. He's yeah. like, can you do anything normally? I, well, it's it's uh, it's the Vader-style powerbomb. So if you watch Vader, whenever he would pick people up, he wouldn't do like the, the leg each side of the head. He would pull them up onto one shoulder. Okay. <laughs> Just a point about the match, guys. Something that I was telling First of all, like everything about this pacing execution the striking the timing because you mentioned it earlier stuff that you wouldn't even see coming would happen the selling all of it was like so amazing and i noticed too during up to this point now we've had some crazy moves and things like that it's not like this was a match with a ton of near falls going on all throughout the match no. or pin attempts yeah like this was like a you know a fight with these two right now like they didn't really spam the near fall attempts you know like you would see in a lot of, i think in a lot more modern matches you would see uh that utilized a lot more but they didn't do that here they just continued on with the offense yeah absolutely um uh Marafuji's done that that power bomb. Uh, he hooks Kenta for the Shiranoi. Kenta is having none of this and uh, just hurls him over the ropes of the floor. And much with the, uh, the 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 bulldog into the top of the post, he just disappears into the abyss. Yeah. Crowd react big for this as well. It's just ridiculous. It's like honestly, and this is the thing about I forgot that spot actually happened. And there there are wrestlers who would have literally made their entire career on taking that bump once and <laughs> basically milking it for all they're worth. And it's just a ridiculous visual. The best way to describe this match, it is a roller coaster. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolute roller coaster. Continuing the, the theme of complicated versus basic, it's like Mar Fuji wants to run up the ropes with the Shiranui. Kenta's just like, nah, I'm just going to shove you out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not even, he doesn't even counter it with a wrestling move. He just <laughs> throws him. Um, and it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on the outside, Kenta ushers photographers back uh, and goes to suplex Marafuji off the ramp. Marafuji blocks it. Kenta slips behind, though, grabs a waist lock, and the bunch of photographers on that side of the ramp figure out immediately what's coming, and they all back up. <laughs> uh, so... 
Uh, Marafuji just about backflips out of a German suplex off the ramp, hits a super kick, but when he goes for the Shirinoi off the ramp, uh, Kenta shoves him injured torso first into the into the wood and, and metal. I just want to say that that was a callback spot to Misawa and Kobashi yes. uh, and then their, mm. uh, their legendary match uh, where they had the similar ramp set up and he did actually Tiger suplex them off, off the ramp. That, we, <laughs> when did we talk about that? We've talked about that uh, at some point, Mark. And I can't remember if it was on this show or if it was on DDT, but I mentioned like I can Might have been DDT. still uh, vi- like visualize that camera angle. Um, I saw a music video of that match before I saw that match because yeah, this yeah. was the MV era mm. on on the internet. Yeah, yeah totally uh, it was this. set to uh, Bush doing a live cover of the Rolling Stones' Wild Horses. Um, <laughs> okay, and that is where like there's the 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 I think it's like the drums are silent and like that Tiger Suplex when Kobashi hits the mats on the outside like that's when the cymbal crash hits. That's when the uh, that's when the drums start up and like, yeah, watching that made me, I think that might've been my first Noah tape, like which yeah. came from mm. watching that music video and buying, and that's still one of my favorite matches. I think I might've nominated that for this, uh, for this <laughs> yeah. project, actually. Fantastic. It, great pick. Oh yeah. Again, that's another one we'll be talking about in at least a year's <laughs> time, if not much more than that. Yes. No, no, but I love that they were able to do that considering they're both, their trainers, you know, Misawa and Kobashi. Mm. So, uh, mm. that, and then you, and they picked one of the most dangerous spots <laughs> they ever did to recreate. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but you know, the crowd reacted to it though. They remembered it uh, even after mm. three years. So I, I thought that was really cool. I mean, this version wasn't that dangerous, but my God, there's some dangerous shit to come. <laughs> <laughs> there certainly is. And we'll get to that right now. Uh, there's a big battle on the apron. Uh, Kenta elbows his way out of a, a German suplex threat, uh, thwarts a third Shirinoi attempt and does, I called it the most painful of deals with a high angle, completely flat landing Falcon arrow off the apron to the floor. It was probably quite safe because of how Marafuji landed, Mm. but it made a hell of a noise Mm. and it looked so painful. And then he sells it big, of course, as well. It might have um, hurt Kenta as much landing uh, yeah. uh, just flat, flat on his butt on the last yep. side. But one thing I want to mention too about Marafuji, another thing that makes him awesome for the millionth thing that we could say about this match. <laughs> um, I love how he utilizes the Shiranui like everywhere he goes as a weapon. Like he doesn't even need a ring to wrestle hmm. because he tried yeah. to do it off the he tried to do it off the ramp, I tried to do it on the apron, tried to do it off the post. It's like, man, I could use this move anywhere. <laughs> exactly much. that. And you think <laughs> it's a move, you think it's one of those finishers, like the, the, they always say like the, the art of a good finisher is it's something you can hit anywhere on anyone. Like, you know, the Stone Cold Stunner is the perfect finisher. Mm. You can hit it on absolutely anybody, absolutely anywhere. And you think, oh, Chirinoi, you can't really do that. Like, you need the turnbuckles. But no, as long as he's got any surface he can put his feet on, he can he can do it. It could be, like you said, post, railing, ramp, car, hood, um, you know, uh, concession stand. If he worked at a show where they were standing fans, he could do it off a fat fan, a la the uh, Seth Rollins moon sort of a fat guy. <laughs> amazing amazing reference I, I, <laughs> now he's put uh now Noah's under the cyber family maybe go to hashi can follow him around <laughs> everywhere amazing uh so uh, adding to the danger uh kenta decides that nah, that wasn't enough mm. uh, and connects with a springboard stomp to marafuji's stomach while the champ is still on the floor on the outside <laughs> this is another legendary spot this is his payback for the knees to the face earlier I think, <laughs> because, uh, like, yep, you know yep. and also before he did that i loved how the ref was like no don't do it <laughs> you know like and yeah. then he Oh, he shoves yeah, the ref yeah. out of the way as well to make. Yeah, to yeah, do it. yeah. And like a badass he is, he shoves him out of the way. It just does it anyway. Even in the middle of the match, and I thought that was like so cool. I was like, yes, that this is why Kenta is my guy because he's freaking awesome. Back in 2009. Further payback comes as they're, they're back in the ring. Uh, uh, Marafuji's been rocked with a flying knee in the corner, and Kenta hooks his arms for a double arm suplex, and then realizes, hang on a minute. That's a corner over there. <laughs> Turns 180 degrees and hurls him into the turnbuckles instead of the mat. Yeah. Um, I love speaking the, I, of spots I've never seen. Yeah, I love the realization, like on <laughs> Kenta's face, that like just by turning around, he could do much more damage. <laughs> Um, uh, this was a point where I described this match as two slow murders happening <laughs> simultaneously. It's two guys trying to kill their opponent and themselves at the exact same time. Well, you know, like I said, they'll, they'll do whatever it takes for the title, Mark. That's what yeah. it takes for this GHC title. Uh, but uh, mm. I was going to say, 
when like this is another well-earned count out tease but as soon as he rolls back into the ring if you notice kent is already on the apron on the other side of the ring <laughs> we're waiting for him like looking like hey my plan is coming together i'm ready to get him and when that double arm suplex in the corner hideki suzuki should totally steal this for some kind of super finisher uh going in there <laughs> like the, the double arm suplex in the corner that was a great spot so I finally noted down some two counts in this match <laughs> as Kenta hits uh, a what I called a perfectly executed Tiger Suplex and the Busaiku Knee. Uh, Marafuji escapes to go to sleep, finally hits the Shiranoi, too exhausted to make a cover. Instead, he climbs to the top rope, and when Kenta tries to leap up there to join him, just sidekicks him out of midair. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. It's like I love that. It's, it's like he's in a kung fu movie on a ratchet on a ratchet wire pull. He just flies backwards. It's hilarious. Oh yeah, that was um, amazing. I just love like all of this tells the story as well that like these two know each other better than anybody else. Yeah, and like even Marafuji going up for the Shiranui when he did that was like his big counter. And then he would you know whenever he went for the go to sleep, he countered the Shiranui a ton of times before he finally hit it. And that kick from the top rope was so completely awesome. I, I love this match so much, man. Like, I, I've never seen anything <laughs> like that. I, even now, or somebody will, like do a kick from the top rope to knock him out. It was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, so Marafuji is clearly supposed to jump off the top rope into GTS position. But unsurprisingly, half an hour in and sweating like madmen, uh, Kenta can't keep a grip on him. And it goes a bit wonky. Yeah. And they sort of fall over. They immediately recover to... Uh, back and German suplex each other into oblivion. Uh, one of these nearly ends uh, with Kenta breaking his other nose, no questions please, as Marafuji almost lands directly on his face. Like, he loses him it's in midair. It's literally millimetres, literal millimetres yeah. away from... Yeah, like, that would have been a, a cracked skull for sure. Um, clothesline, superkick, they're both down, crowd are going nuts. Classic um, Kings Road style no sell where they no sell all these moves, but only to do it at the end. You know when they finally just yeah. both ran out of gas and they both collapsed. The arc style is very alive in this match, and I, that's where I put in my notes. How's nobody stolen half of this stuff? <laughs> you know, in, 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 in going in there, this was amazing. Uh, Kenta takes the John Woo bump for a yeah. thrust kick that hits oh, him that was right in the Two face. Ones. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and then kicks out a two from a Shiranui variation I hadn't seen before, like with an arm gripped as well. The wrist clutch Shiranui. Now, now yeah. this is something. This, for me, is the first rule of Noah. If in doubt, add a wrist clutch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh, he foils a Shiranui Kai, which is the everybody on the top rope version, uh, and then hits one of the most dangerous ideas ever conceived <laughs> in wrestling, <laughs> A release tiger suplex with both of them standing on the top rope. It, I think it would, wouldn't really be topped on this kind of stage until uh, Kenny Omega and uh, Okada decide to do the top rope dragon suplex that almost ends in an Okada broken neck. It, just wild and stuff. that was a, a huge reaction even from the commentators like from oh, yeah. Nippon TV were oh, going yeah. insane over this Tiger suplex from the top uh, Marafuji just about kicks out uh, Marafuji gets the ropes after a go to sleep and they double lay on again after he somehow hits a running thrust kick uh, and uh, Kenta comes back with a psycho knee just, just quickly I want to come back to the, the go to sleep uh, with the foot on the ropes it's just a little detail that I absolutely love on this. Mm. So Marafuji has been hit by the go to sleep. He flies towards the ropes. Kenta makes the cover and he goes to hook his leg over Marafuji's leg. But Kenta is too tired to be able to hook the leg. And Marafuji gets that leg on the rope. And that's just yes. fantastic detail, which considering there are 30 odd minutes in and absolutely bloody knackered. And the, des the desperation yeah. from Kenta was so amazing because if you look, he tries to pin him. He pins him almost like vertically, like, you know, on, you know mm. missionary style, like on top or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. just kind of scrambling yeah. over to get yeah. on him anyway. Yeah, he's like, he I need yeah. to win this title. I need to do it now. The hell with yeah. technique. I just need mm. part of my body on part of his body. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I need to do everything I can to keep this man down because we've already been at it so long. But yeah, then Marafuji getting the ropes at the end was great. And a lot of the kickouts too, <laughs> they were so smart to save him because Marafuji, this is another thing, he was amazing at the 2.99 kick out of this match because yeah. he was getting his shoulder off like right at the right time at the end. I was so impressed by mm. a lot of that stuff there. Mm. So uh, they stagger back to their feet. 
Marafuji gets the better of a load of slapping and kicking, hits what we would now call the one-man Spanish fly off the top rope, and finally gets the win with the pole shift, which, if you haven't seen it, is a fisherman suplex lift into a falcon arrow. Well, no, not a falcon arrow. It's a sit-out pile driver. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yes, I guess it yeah, is. Spike version. Hell of a match. Uh, Incredible match. A- absolute flipping roller coaster of a match. If you want a popcorn, high-energy heart on edge of the edge of your seat heart in your mouth match honestly it's fantastic yeah yeah the only thing that kind of spoiled it for me was i had to watch it twice within a week and second time around it didn't have the impact because i knew what was coming and like that's my that's my podcast of right notes viewing Mm. anyway the first time i watched this absolutely blown away i've seen Um, this before and i was swearing and screaming multiple times at some (laughs) of these spots (laughs) <laughs> i watch it every year and i was still <laughs> i was still super into this match um yeah the finish was amazing they had amazing counter sequences like with kicks and stuff and you know they would misdirect running back and forth yeah we we, we missed out yeah. a lot of yeah. details in our kind of like play-by-play yeah well there's so much yeah, but yeah that, that misdirection and then kenta countering it was like amazing <laughs> the crowd was on their feet for all of this and by the end uh yeah then the fin finished with the shirinui kai you know the spanish fly mm. the one man spanish fly and then the pole shift was just uh unbelievable and then afterwards like they cut immediately to the fans pretty much and they're all giving them a standing ovation which is like do they deserve it for this match you've got this great visual of the fans on the ground floor rushing to the front literally rushing to the guardrails you can just see this flow of people towards the the guardrail which is better which is better than a flood towards the exits um uh, you you brought up uh, uh, their standings in the uh, 2006 Observer Awards. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave this four and three quarter stars. Called it a totally awesome must see match that is among the best of this year. Mm. Um, I felt like the best part of all of this is that it felt to me like they hadn't planned to inflict this much wanton destruction on each other. It just got out of hand mm. with kind of like the broken nose kind of being the catalyst for it. And it was, I also called it unconventional pro wrestling. Like wherever you think the match and offense is going to go is frequently not where it actually goes at any given moment. And like constantly being surprised was just, it's a great thrill Mm. in this match. Yeah, it is. I've said it before. Say again, it's just, this is a legit roller coaster of a match. It's like one of the best, is one of the few matches I would calling a roller coaster would be my go-to choice. And you just think (laughs) about it. Marafuji landed on his chin slash throat 15 minutes into a 35 minute match. Yes. You know, and afterwards the post-match was so cool as well (laughs) with Kenta. He's getting checked on. Everybody's probably looking at his nose, but he's laying on the apron. He looks like he's just eyes glazed over like and everything mm. uh, marfuji goes over and like grabs his hand like out of respect and if you listen you hear the commentator yell out like uh noah jr's was psycho which means like noah juniors are the strongest mm. and like that was what this match was all about for a lot of people was the juniors getting that man in spot um you know i saw a lot of young fans in the crowd uh, as well for this match both men and women mm. um they would have been much older th- than than me at that time obviously but uh, just watching it now, I was just thinking, like, I was so jealous of all of them for being there, getting to watch this amazing match live. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't have any question if I was in that crowd, I I would have attempted to join the Noah Dojo the next day. Or, 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 or you know, or like, for real. Like, or did everything in my power to do it when they had tryouts or whatever. You know, I just, you know, even watching it now, like, this match makes me want to believe not just in wrestling, but at heart. And it was like beautiful, man, for real. I, I, I was really feeling like everything, but I watched this here. A, uh, a great uh, poet and philosopher of our time, one Jonathan Good, likes to use the phrase a glorious pro wrestling violence. Yes. This is mm-hmm. glorious pro wrestling violence. Just fabulous. Like half an hour of incredible, incredible stuff. We should kind of bring things down a little bit uh, <laughs> by saying that this show was considered a flop. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> so Noah announced 15,000. There were 11,500 in the building and only 7,000 of those paid to get in. <laughs> uh, putting the juniors on top didn't uh, exactly skyrocket business, did it? 
it well it didn't help that i mentioned it earlier it's like i was looking at all of the previous budokan shows for 2006 and i would say each of them had at least two matches that uh like were like big matches underneath the main event so you'd have shows with um kentum like first uh, budokan of the year uh, Akiyama and Tawa in the main event, but you had Kenta Marafuji underneath and you had Akabono teaming with Rikio in a rare Akabono performance as a kind of, you know, big, this was when Akabono was actually a biggish name because he was fresh off sumo. Um, so you'd have this and even the September show, you, you know, you had these big matches underneath that just felt juicy. The semi-main on this Katara Suzuki, Misawa, and Agawa versus Sugira, Sano, and Takayama. It doesn't matter how good it is. It's a random six-man tag. Yeah. The next best match on it was Yone and Morishima versus Akiyama and Makoto Hashi, which, again, would have been a solid match. But basically... It's not a, this, it's not a ticket seller. There, there's nothing other than the main event there was nothing else on this show to sell tickets. So it definitely showed that the fans were not, you know, the fans didn't want to see the juniors in the main event, but Noah did not help themselves and they did not help Marafuji and Kent. It was almost like they sent them out there and essentially said, do or die. Yeah, they 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 weren't really supported on this show. Um, like they obviously like put on a spectacular performance, but... You know, you don't know that before you buy your ticket, and, do you? And according to Meltzer's notes, there were fans at the show literally saying, great, loved it, but we wanted the heavyweights in the main event. <laughs> yeah. And and th ah, wrestling. There's a vocal Misawa chant after this, and I don't know if Marafuji... Let's set up the next title match. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, you know, it's funny because this whole year was interesting, <laughs> not just in Noah, because... Just uh, two months prior to this, in August, New Japan had a junior heavyweight advance to the semifinals of the G1 for the first time in the history of the mm. tournament with uh, Koji Kanemoto. It was Tanahashi's first title reign as well, wasn't it? 2006. Yeah, yeah yep, that's right. Uh, but yeah, Kanemoto was in the semifinals of the G1. He faced Nagata. Mm. That's like one of my favorite runs. Um, and that was well received by everybody. Uh, but yeah, like at first they reported the number in the West and... Uh, everyone was like, whoa, okay. Because even doubters are like, well, maybe the new generation of fans really aren't the same as the old school mm -hmm. fans. They're ready for this. But then the real stuff came out and everyone was like, oh, this is not good at all. <laughs> and then they eventually like immediately went back to Misawa, uh, you know, yeah. for the title afterwards. So, and, um, yeah. And so, as you say, the next Budokan show, it's Misawa versus Marafuji. Misawa wins the title. So, Marafuji's next challenge for the GHC heavyweight title is in September 2007, where he tries to get the belt back off Misawa. The next one after that, March 2012, he was <laughs> away. He was kept away from the heavyweight title picture for four years, four and a half years. So I did notice that his second reign wasn't until 2014. Yeah. I mean, you can argue that Sugiura, who was a junior as well, Takashi Sugiura was a junior. He had a massive reign in 2009, but he has more of a heavyweight look. An amazing yeah. reign for the record as well. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, Sugiura's title reign. Mm. Yeah. Dylan, do you have anything else to add about this match before we wrap this up? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I think from a business perspective, I, I wish they had given Marafuji a couple more defenses, mm. uh, including a win over a big name. I think if I would have changed it, I would have had Misawa versus Marafuji here, and that be the solidifying win. And you could have had Kenta challenge at the end of the year and say, hey, they started with the junior title, and now they're in the heavyweights, and Marafuji mm. would be established more. <laughs> like uh, I mm. think he could have used that a little bit. But uh, regardless of all that, whatever happened with the business uh, side of it, I'm so glad that this match happened. Uh, going in there. Um, like I said, it has me uh, feeling all kinds of emotions when I was watching this, thinking back to where I was when I first saw it. It was amazing for everyone involved so much. And 
you know, I, I wish I could was better with words so I can describe it all a little bit better and all my feelings, but knowing I can't see a match like this again today, period, like let alone for the first time, it uh, has me feeling all kinds of stuff. So, but uh, I will continue watching it every year. I'll continue loving it. And I'm so happy that we had the chance to talk about it. And I'm so glad you guys got the chance to watch it. I hope a lot of people watch it for the first time on their own too. And hopefully they enjoy it uh, very much as much as we all did as well. Yeah. If you've not watched it, in all honesty, watch it. Just just watch it, please. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of been playing. We've been slack with like linking to people with the matches we're talking about. Obviously, there's some that we can't. Uh, yeah, but stuff that is freely and publicly available on YouTube. I'm uh, planning to, when I actually get a free moment, to uh, do a Twitter thread of the stuff we have covered that is freely available to watch on YouTube, and this obviously will be part of that. Dylan, thank you once again for coming to talk to us. Uh, the floor is yours. Feel free to tell everybody where they can find you and your work on the internet. Yeah, check out my main show, uh, The Eastern Lariat, at Eastern Lariat on Twitter. We do a show about Japanese pro wrestling, my, my favorite kind of wrestling. You know, we were doing all kinds of cool stuff. We covered every single match of the G1 and the end one uh, and the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix. We're, we're doing all of that, especially on the Patreon. You get stuff pretty much really quick. I've written articles and stuff on Stardom and Noah and All Japan as well. Um, we're going to do a show about the All Japan Budokan show. Uh, multiple shows about that probably, but we're covering everything. The Stardom tournament is still last October, so there's a lot there, but uh, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Eastern Lariat. You get all kinds of stuff on all three tiers, but it's the $5 one's the best one because you get to hear everything. Uh, and follow me at viva underscore zero like type it out the full word and uh, that's me on twitter check us out hopefully you guys enjoy our work too if you do if you like japanese wrestling especially and uh, i cover american wrestling too on the patreon as well so it's secret sauce there but yeah <laughs> but yeah you know hopefully you guys enjoy it and, and hopefully we can all keep enjoying pro wrestling from every country in every style and i loved it to continue being on this project with you guys you've done great work and i really appreciate it y'all Tremendous. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Uh, as for us, we are at Must See Matches on Twitter. And if you go to linktr.ee slash matches, you will see all the ways you can subscribe to the show. You'll find links to our personal Twitter accounts. Uh, I might as well say those now as well. I'm at Kieran Edits and Mark is at monkey underscore buckles. And there is also a link to Mark's writings for post wrestling and our other podcast, uh, DD Teach at DD Teach Pod on Twitter, where we ramble about DDT Pro Wrestling because that's a lot of fun. Next week, it's another Buckle Fort two hander as we tackle a match between two of the nicest, easiest to get along with men in the history of professional wrestling CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar from SummerSlam 2013, uh, August 18th, 2013. So make sure you're back for that one. Thanks again to Dylan for joining us today and thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye.